0: Hi everyone. I'm John White, and you are now watching our we- SEMA webinar. SEMA stands for Spooky Ask Marine: Anything," which is where we invite experts onto our show uh, to talk about the area of expertise. This week, we were lucky to have Kevin Beer. Back with us to tell us more about self-hypnosis for healing. Please feel free to ask any questions during his talk using our online chat facility. Kevin has been using Spooky2 since 2013. He became interested in Rife and Spooky2 whilst recovering from a serious case of neurological Lyme and several other tick-borne diseases. Kevin has been practicing transpersonal hypnosis and inner life mentoring since 2010. He is a board certified consulting hypnotist and is certified in clinical hypnosis through the National Guild of Hypnotists. He is also certified in the transpersonal modality of depth hypnosis through the Depth Hypnosis Institute. Kevin's practice is called Inner Alliance Consulting. And his website is www.inneralliance.net. Kevin, we're so happy to have you back again. We had many people enthralled with the previous talk. And so, well, welcome back. And um, the show is over to you. Thank you.
1: Hey, thank you. Thank you. Hi, so uh, thank you. I want to thank everybody at the Spooky team for having me um, on again. It's a real honor to share some of what I know uh, on the topic of self-hypnosis and healing. And um, I wanted to give you a little bit of a rundown of what, a little bit about what we covered before and then a rundown of what we're gonna cover tonight. So the last time, um, I spoke for Sama was a, it was a real broad overview of the interrelationship between the mind and the body and the spirit and the positive role that self-hypnosis can play in one's healing path. Again that was pretty, pretty broad, hour and a half, lots of information covering a lot of different topics. Um, Tonight's topic is going to be more focused on um, self-hypnosis and giving some of the background to the way that the brain functions and the way that um, the mind-body connection works and the way that that habits are formed because when we talk about self-hypnosis for healing, we're really talking about changing habits of mind and changing habits of lifestyle. Uh, in order to facilitate uh, greater healing as well as harnessing the power of the mind for the purpose of healing. So, among the things we're going to talk about tonight, I'm going to give more detail of what um, science calls the placebo response. This was something we talked about a little bit uh, the last time and how you can consciously develop the um, mental and the emotional qualities that will most enhance your ability to harness the power of the mind to heal your body. So there's a specific list of qualities that science has found is um, most advantageous for being able to have this amazing ability to heal the body with the mind, and we'll talk about those. Um, Also an overview of what happens in the brain and the body that creates the bridge between the mind and one's physiology and the vital role that our thoughts and that our emotions and that our habitual thoughts and emotions and um, behaviors uh, play in that. Uh, I'll talk about neuroplasticity and how to affect the positive evolution of our brain structure. I'll talk about the inherent challenges in changing habits. If changing habits was easy, we'd all be doing it all the time and you wouldn't need to listen to me. Uh, It's challenging and it's often difficult and we usually take it personally and we hire all kinds of experts to figure out why we're getting in our way and everything and a lot of it is purely physiological and I'll talk about that uh, tonight. Uh, We'll talk about the extraordinary imaginative potential of the mind and uh, how through self-hypnosis you can change your physiology for the better. Um, And towards that end, we'll talk about um, finding your primary inner sense and how to utilize that for healing. Uh, Finding your most potent healing images and metaphors and how to use them in self-hypnosis for various conditions, uh, including Lyme and cancer. But once, once we talk about these examples of Lyme and cancer, you'll be able to apply it towards whatever illness that you're dealing with. Um, using your personal images and metaphors to greatest advantage while using Spooky, while using, whether you're using uh, the Phanatron tube or whether you're using contact mode, uh, etc. Um, Techniques for inducing the self-hypnotic trance including the use of recordings and apps and also just kind of working with your own native equipment without any technology. Um, The use of recordings and apps for actually going through hypnotic journeys. Um, The use of pre-recorded healing scripts versus self-made scripts for these healing journeys. Uh, The use of software, I'll tell you about a a pretty cool software that you can use to create your own hypnotic journey recordings uh, including narration and layering of music and and that kind of thing. And finally, um, some troubleshooting tips for some of the commonly encountered um, obstacles that can come up in the course of of using self-hypnosis. I want to start with a disclaimer and that is that please understand that nothing that I say here tonight um, is an encouragement for you to not seek medical attention, competent medical attention for whatever physical ailments you're dealing with. I don't want you to like have feel so confident with the use of your mind that you have some weird persistent pain and you decide, hey, I'm just going to use my mind and I'm going to make that pain go away. You know, uh, discomfort, uh, including pain, is a signal, a physiological signal, that is saying that something is awry. And so, I really encourage you, if something is amiss with you physically, that you seek competent medical care, and you get to the bottom of the physical causes that are behind that, so you really know what the whole picture is. And then you can most intelligently use the power of your mind, self-hypnosis, to be able to address those conditions. Um, And if you decide to use self-hypnosis, it's a good idea to share that information with your healthcare practitioner and they should, if they're worth their salt, they should encourage you to do that. If you have a doctor and you say, hey, I'm gonna use uh, guided visualization, self-hypnosis, and um, you know, elicit the power of my mind and my spiritual life, or if you want to include that uh, towards healing, and they say, ah, that's a bunch of garbage, then I encourage you to find another doctor because any doctor who doesn't realize the power of the mind in healing isn't well-educated enough or or, or open-minded and enough to deserve you as a client. So, um, again, don't use self-hypnosis as a substitute for medical care. Uh, share the information that you're using self-hypnosis with your doctor. Um, and also, another thing is only do self-hypnosis in a safe and still Environment. So, if you make a self-hypnosis recording, don't think, hey, I'm going to save some time and I'm going to drive and um, and listen to my self-hypnosis recording or I'm going to take a walk and walk through the neighborhood and listen to my self-hypnosis recording. Self-hypnosis should only be done in a place that is, think of it like if you're going to take a nap. You're not going to take a nap while you're driving or operating heavy equipment or walking down the street or any of those things you have to be in a safe place, right? You have to be calm, you have to be safe, you have to be secure, and the same thing goes with self-hypnosis. Okay. So I'm gonna be, um, excuse me, my eyes are gonna be wandering here, I'm gonna be referring to my notes here. So, the placebo response, you probably heard that word placebo. If you listen to my last talk, you know that what the placebo response is, is this phenomenon that's been recognized by science. Of course, it's been known by practitioners of the mind and the spirit for thousands and thousands of years, but it's uh, science labels it as the ability of the mind to influence the physical body and it came up quite a bit in, um, as a nuisance and still does in terms of research because if you're trying to test a drug, you always have to take into account what's called the placebo response because people, if you give them a pill, will believe and if they believe that the pill is going to work, it's going to have a much greater chance of working. In fact, in terms of antidepressants, if you you dig through the literature of the manufacturers of antidepressants, they have had to admit that a- actually that the effect of antidepressants for all but the most severe cases of depression, the you, the effect of the drug is no more effective than the placebo response. So that shows you how powerful it is. There have been many, many cases, uh, it's kind of entertaining to read some of the medical literature. And to hear about these stories where a doctor was at their wit's end and nothing was working for a patient and they were you know, very imaginative and they said, okay, well, you know, there is this brand new drug that has just come out and this stuff is fantastic. And they gave this person a sugar pill and sent them home and found out that they got tremendous results. Uh, with this thing that they had been struggling with and nothing else had been working. Why? Because the person felt confident in the doctor and they felt really confident in this pill that they didn't know was a sugar pill. So the mind is able to fill in the blanks and to facilitate all of this internal change. So what are some of the qualities of the placebo response that um, one can cultivate know about and to cultivate so that you can increase your own chances of of being able to heal yourself using your mind so here's a list of some of the qualities well one is openness and that is a being willing for the mind to help to heal your body um, if you're really skeptical um, you can be skeptical but also be open in other words, you can say, well i'm not going to you know buy this all what they call hook line and sinker, but I'm certainly open to having my mind change so as long as your mind is open in that way, that allows possibility to unfold uh, another is desire as having this strong desire to heal if you have got a really strong if you say if you've got a desire to heal, but there's another part of you that is really um Afraid of healing because of all the work that you'd have to do afterwards, um, or is uh, feels guilty about uh, something and doesn't feel you know where you don't feel as though you deserve to heal. If you have some you know undertow of a a counteracting um, uh, belief and emotion, that's going to make it difficult. So having the desire and for that desire to be clear and for um, you to be able to um, accept having a really positive outcome, feeling deserving of that. And that doesn't mean you have to feel 100 percent deserving. It's not like you have to be this, you know, clean slate. It just means that predominantly you are willing to allow healing into your life, and you don't have, you know, strong blockages to the prospect of healing. Another is to have a, a positive kind of anticipation. About healing, it's basically having this kind of belief. You know, I I believe I believe this is going to work. I mean, why not? You know, it's yeah, I believe it's going to work, and that that is very very important. You know, going back to that example of the doctor who gives the sugar pill. You know, the person had great confidence in the doctor, who's kind of this authority figure, and great confidence that this pill. Was going to work, so they were filled with this positive anticipation when they took the pill, and then when they went went home, um, having a, again a positive anticipation, a positive expectation, um, believing, you know, having a strong belief. And again, it doesn't mean that there can never be doubt. Uh, it it doesn't mean that there can't be uh, the presence of skepticism, skepticism, but just the predominant. Qualities are ones of openness, positive anticipation, positive expectation, positive belief. Um, Another is um, suggestibility. And that means where you are, when you go to a doctor and if you believe in your doctor and the doctor says, hey, we're going to do fine on this, you're, you know. Trust me, you're, you're going to do just fine. And if you, um, if you really take that in, then that means that you're, um, that you're suggestible. That means that the suggestion uh, from that doctor that one is going to heal, you're able to take that in and to let it go in really deeply. It goes in through the conscious mind and into the subconscious mind and it does its work there. As a matter of fact, there is a study that was done, or actually a number of studies that have been done about the patient-doctor relationship and they found that the the major factor in whether a patient healed or not uh, while working with a doctor was the quality of that relationship, the quality of that doctor. So if you go into a doctor and the doctor doesn't listen to you and they're, you know, demeaning and they're playing some, you know, grotesque power trip and and um, it's this complete one-sided authoritative kind of relationship, um, your chances of healing are a lot less than if you have a doctor who is compassionate. Who uh, is able to really, you know, comfort you, and who is able to instill you with a sense of confidence in the path that you're taking? Um, okay, so so the goal in is changing habits of mind. So you're kind of going from this place where you are right now. Say that you have some you have some kind of illness and you don't know what the cause of it is, or you don't know how quite how to get to it, and there may be lifestyle factors and mental factors, et cetera, that are playing a role in it, and so you're kind of at the beginning, and so one of the the things I spoke about last time was of being aware of the inner story that you have around your illness, and just kind of checking in, and to see if if you, for instance, it's this is very common with people who are um, who have cancer or just any kind of severe illness is that there there are groups constructive, you know supportive groups that that form up around those illnesses. But the shadow side of that, the problem is that if the group is one where people are kind of wallowing in the misery in the uncertainty, um and that's the predominant um, mood and emotion then it sets up this um, kind of victim mentality, and that is really powerful. So, if the story that you're internalizing is, I'm a Lyme sufferer, and us Lymeys, we really, you know, life really sucks for us. You know, life is terrible, and and, uh, we're on this terrible, long journey, and yeah, I get online, and I talk about it with my pals online, and we share our misery, and you see what that's doing? And in relation to what I just talked about with the placebo response, where's the positive expectation and the positive emotion and and the um, you know the openness and and the desire for healing and everything that's that's that can be very seductive, you know to to have this group where people are listening, and that's wonderful. But my suggestion is you want to make sure that that the group and that your friends that you're talking to, et cetera, are able to be um, more positive and to sort of, you know, keep you focused, help you to keep you focused on the big picture which is, which is healing. Um, so what happens is that, is that, uh, when we have certain mental patterns, say around our health, the thoughts, um, Tend to be kind of loaded with emotion because here's this serious thing that's going on, so you can have the formation of habitual thoughts, and those thoughts can get kind of elevated in their intensity through emotion, through fear, and what happens with that is that um, the uh, the neurological connections um, form this um, this neural web in your brain that kind of represents that complex of thoughts and beliefs around your illness and that can include your feeling of deservingness your you know your uh, self esteem elements of your self esteem around your illness etc cetera, etc cetera. it's this whole complex web and that if you're feeding it with negative emotion and fear what it does is it strengthens the power of those neurological connections, the synaptic connections between the neurons get a what they call a myelin sheath around them and also along the, the nerve fiber. And that's what's carrying, that, that's transmitting the signal um, from your brain, to different parts of the brain and then into your body. And the more that you focus on that, Negativity, and the more that you 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 invest it with this strong emotion, the more that myelin sheath, which is sort of like the insulation on an extension cord, the more that grows, and that becomes more challenging to change. And for that matter, that's why um, any habit that you want to change—that's you know, behavioral related, um, um, emotion related, uh, lifestyle related—why it's so hard is not because you you're lazy, it's not because you don't want it enough, it's not because um, of some, I mean there may be elements of of um, attitude and those sorts of things that are playing a role, but even when everything is is optimal, it's really challenging to change habits. And why is that? It's purely because... Of this, the, of a threshold, there is there that is there. They call it a, a synaptic threshold. That means that you have to pass that threshold, that resistance, in order to kind of uh, burst out into new areas of the brain, into forming new synaptic connections between these new neurons, that will then form the new habit of mind. So, what needs to happen? Uh, when you're healing um, is that once you experience some positive healing and say through self, self-hypnosis you experience some really wonderful positive mind states and you get these really positive results, then what's important is to kind of to stay on top of that and um, not just to relax because there's an inertia that's there. And so, all of those other synaptic connections uh, to all those other neural pathways in your mind that are associated with you know, um, n- less than optimal lifestyle choices or belief patterns that are contributing to stress and that kind of thing, those things are still there. They don't magically go away. Now, the beauty of the neuroplasticity of the brain is that you can form these you know, an explosion of new neural connections um almost instantly. You know, I mean, it's just you you have one internal really vivid, powerful, beautiful experience and it's doing this, uh, you know, amazing process within your brain of forming all these new neural pathways. That is a fact. Now, it's also a fact that all the old stuff, all the old pathways, with all of their good insulation, um, are still there. So it's almost like you know you can think of it like your established your new experience has formed these um, these delicate little wires, but they have to compete with all these really well insulated cables that are already there. And that's why uh, that's why self hypnosis can be such a good thing because um, you have the ability to repeat the experience or a version of the experience in a very vivid and powerful way and every time that you do that every single time that you do that you're building those myelin sheaths you're you're increasing the insulation around those neural pathways and those neural pathways are going to become stronger and stronger and stronger and then they can really effectively compete with the old neural pathways that represented that are the physiological counterpart or representation of old beliefs and old habits. So that old saying, "A practice makes perfect," and um, you, you may have heard somewhere that it takes uh, ten thousand repetitions of something to gain um, uh, to gain expertise in something. And um, uh, I don't, <laughs> I'm not sure how exactly they came up with that number, but that's all based on this concept of neural pathways and establishing these really stable uh, synaptic um, neural networks that can, you know, exist on their own in a really reliable way. And they're, they're at the, um, some of them are accessible at the conscious level, but primarily that kind of action is happening at the subconscious level. Um, And that's why you can practice something, you can practice something, then you don't have to think about it anymore. It becomes uh, second nature. It becomes, uh, you know, in martial arts it becomes instinctual. You're not thinking about the the kata, you're not thinking about the movements, it, it just happens in the moment. And that's because it is deeply established at your subconscious level. The same thing with playing an instrument or anything you gain an expertise in. Now that also applies for negative habits of the mind and attitude and 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 that kind of thing um, Those things have their power because they happen automatically on their own and the other thing is that they are very linked in with our physiology so when we have a strong negative emotion, a whole bunch of things happen and one of them is uh is that it um there's an immediate release of cortisol and often adrenaline and um, then there will be a genetic component to it. When there's a strong release of adrenaline and cortisol, there is an um, activation of uh, proteins within the DNA that then also activates certain genes and it's called, uh, that field is called epigenetics it's the, it's the study of gene expression and how gene expression gets activated or deactivated and what they found is that when people are engaged in really um, you know uh, negative emotions negative negative feelings negative activities that it expresses it tends to express the, um, the genes that are associated with with Negative physiological effects, and um, you know we're we're kind of going through perhaps the tail end of this period of time where there was a belief that if you um, if you had a gene for breast cancer, then you should have your breasts removed. i mean i I don't agree with that personally. Um, and what they're finding out now is that 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 a a gene that is present and even present through multiple generations is not a death sentence, it's not a given that those genes are going to be expressed. Uh, But there is a greater likelihood of the expression of those genes um, due to environmental toxins and due to um, um, things like negative, you know, habitual negative uh, habits of mind or or experiences of mind. Now, on the flip side, if you... Are um, having a a really powerful positive emotional experience of you know love and compassion or just pleasure and openness that um, there's the release of of uh, dopamine and and serotonin and other wonderful uh, neurotransmitters um, uh, other you know hormones and uh, all the way down to the DNA, the release of proteins which will turn off the, uh, the genes associated with illness and turn on the, the expression of the genes that are associated with healing and wellness. So uh, pretty, <laughs> we all possess this amazing power uh, within us. Um, okay. <clears throat> So intensity uh, of emotion is is really key when you're seeking uh, the use of the mind and the spirit to um, to change yourself on a physiological level um, and this is one of the other aspects of the placebo response that they have found and of uh, hypnosis in general is that the stronger the uh, the Positive emotion, um, the there's something that happens in the mind with strength of emotion. This is both positive and negative. And I mentioned before about about gene expression, et etc. In the presence of adrenaline and cortisol, uh, the other thing that happens is that things that are experienced, say in a in a um, through a situation of trauma, will um, with the release of those of those chemicals, if you will, into the system, there is also a much greater propensity for the formation of deep memory. So the kind of memory that goes deep into the subconscious and then sort of operates there as a subprogram, um, those happen more readily as a result of traumatic experiences, but that can also happen as a result of really, really positive experiences. Um, and so one of the things that I suggest is when you're working with your with your mind and your emotions is to really conjure up positive feelings. and we'll we'll talk more about how to how to do that. And why? Because not just because it's a nice thing to do, but because at that physiological level, the release of the neurotransmitters and the hormones and the subsequent um, uh, gene expression, etc., all works towards the benefit of healing. So another thing about change, uh, and this is this is really common, uh, is that we can have a. a, a Positive experiences, like hey, I've had this feeling of inner healing, and and you know maybe I'm changing some aspects of my diet, or I've just got a really different perspective on my journey of healing from Lyme disease or cancer or something. It's just wonderful, and there's the hope and the expectation that it's just going to be smooth sailing from here on out. You know, it's just going to be hee hee, this is the end of all that negativity. You know, and but that's not how things work. Um and one reason is because of what I mentioned before is that you've got all these cables and all you know all these connections of the old habits that are still there. And your your new experience is just kind of new and, and fragile and there may be, you know, a, a quite a network of new cells that are starting, new neural connections that are starting, but they're a little bit fragile. Now the other thing that happens is that because our sense of identity is built on our internal experience of self um, is built on the thoughts that we're thinking, is built on the feelings that we're having in response to those thoughts, is based on the, um, the way that we uh, judge the kinds of sensations that we're having in the body or, or in the mind. And so what happens is that when we go into the positive and we make some really positive changes, we're on really new terrain. So you may have heard this before, that that um, strong positive or negative changes can still have a feeling of almost like trauma to them. Well, I think that's a little bit too strong of a word, but certainly uncertainty. Um, definitely uncertainty because you are in this new space it's like there's a, there's a, a new you or a portion of an aspect of a new you that's being created through these through these positive experiences and it's upsetting the internal um equilibrium that has been there maybe for years or decades and so it's really common for for us when we're in the process of positive change, positive psychological, emotional, positive physiological change to feel to feel this uncertainty, to feel almost like in a void. And then a lot of it depends on, what follows really depends on what your already established relationship is with uncertainty and with a sense of the void. Now, the, a lot of us will want to fill that void in with what? with what's familiar, because what's familiar is comforting. Even if it's not positive, it's comforting, because it's familiar, <laughs> because we're on good ground again. So, that's where um, positive change is. Uh, that's why retreats and things like that work, you know, in the short term so well, because you're you're removed from your habitual environment that is, that may have been contributing to negative thought and behavior patterns. And you're in with a group of people who are all seeking uh, some sort of positive change. And there's the energy of the group that can help to facilitate that change. There's the comfort and the understanding that can arise if if there's um, difficulty associated with that change. And then you're in this new world that is um, being shared with all these other people. Um, The challenge is going back to your own world and like, okay, what do I do now? Um, And what's important then is, whether you go to a retreat or whether you're facilitating these changes on your own, is to be careful about the company that you keep. It's not uncommon for people to, uh, who are going through health crises to have a shift in their friendships and everything, because they'll learn of the people that are that are supportive and the people who are supportive not only of the illness that they're going through and the challenges that they're going through but also of the new person that is emerging as a result of this healing that is going on. Um, And that can be real challenging for some people because you know if one has been had a, a circle of friends and and every weekend you go to the pub and you you have a bunch of pints and you're in that wonderful, you know, that old smoky environment and and it's not necessarily a real positive thing physically, but that's where your support network and your friend network is, Um, you have to find a replacement for that Uh, that can offer you the the support for this new you that is forming um, while you're going through that delicate transition time. So just, just to recap that, that part. So when you're facilitating through self, self-hypnosis, when you're facilitating these positive, powerful experiences that will have a positive physiological effect on you, uh, it's also gonna be changing aspects of your, of your mind and your relationship with your body, your relationship with your sense of self. It's not uncommon to feel kind of out of sorts and really strange afterwards and then the mind may come in and to say oh well I should stop doing that because it doesn't make me feel great because it makes me feel uncertain and weird I don't know you know I things weren't so bad before um, so just know that that comes with the territory um, there can also be a strong uh, resurgence of the old habits of mind and the old habits of lifestyle that will want to reinsert themselves because that was the dominant pattern and because that is uh, where habitually one has had the source of comfort before. So just wanted to really emphasize those things because it can take the sting and the self-judgment out of those kinds of obstacles that can come up during the course of healing. Just know that it's not personal. You know, it's very, very universal. It's, you know, across the, it's just It's it's just kind of how we're designed physiologically in terms of the brain and um, um, uh, yeah, so just that, (laughs) okay. So moving on, Um, but the discomfort is a good sign. So if you're going through positive change and you're feeling that kind of discomfort and the void and the weirdness afterwards, that's a good sign because that means you've actually made really positive change. The other thing is, and this is really profound, is that, you know, we talked about about gene expression. So, if you have uh, a set of uh, beliefs, um, you know, a a certain kind of lifestyle, a certain kind of input of uh, of, uh, foods and chemicals and maybe toxins, uh, certain kinds of beliefs. There is a whole pattern of gene expression that has been going on in relation to those that I talked about earlier. And that's not just you that you're experiencing in the moment. Those genes come from your ancestors. Those genes go back <laughs> to the beginning of humanity. Uh, so and for instance they've they found in research uh recently that that people who have suffered tremendous um trauma, I think the study was done with, with Holocaust survivors, and they found that, that uh people who had survived the Holocaust had certain alterations in their in their genes as a result of that horrible trauma, and that those genes those particular genes associated with the trauma actually got passed down from one generation to the other. And so that means that there would be a propensity of certain, uh, not only physical, but, but psychological characteristics because of what had been experienced by say an ancestor that one had never even had contact with. And it could be multiple generations ago Um, because of the expression of that gene. So just know again that, I just want to emphasize this because uh, being a hypnotherapist and an inner life consultant and I I see this with basically with all my clients. I see this with myself, you know, with, with, uh, you know, undergoing uh, um, well-intentioned change and, you know, how to negotiate that resistance and that strangeness and that seeking of the familiar that happens after one has actually accomplished change. So just know that you got the, the genes that, are kind of, that can be fighting against you, uh, the ancestors, that, the, the negative experiences of the ancestors fighting against you, and the basic physiology of the brain and how habits are formed. But it's a good fight, so keep going. And the way you keep going is to reinforce more positive experiences through, uh, and self-hypnosis is a fantastic way of doing that by um, you know, positive changes in your environment, um, not reading the internet news habitually, really being aware of the input that you're taking in. And it doesn't mean you're putting your head in the sand in terms of world events, it means that you are feeding your body with good food and you're feeding your mind with good food. So um, somebody, I'm sorry, I don't know how to pronounce your name. Sioxin? Um, Gu? Please forgive me. Um, can I give details on how I can do self-hypnosis on myself and is it safe? Yes, um, and I will be, I'll be getting to that uh, very soon. So, um, the one, the beauty of self-hypnosis is that it is able to, uh, to create and to recreate these positive experiences and to, and to repeat that as often as one wants. And you can really customize the nature of those experiences according to what you need at any given time, and we'll talk about how to do that. So that means that new neural pathways are being connected, uh, new, uh, those are being insulated uh, and strengthened, and new genes are being expressed. and. You can do that deliberately. You know that's the beauty of it is that you're—it's not accidental. Okay,
0: five.
1: So um, I want to give a, a little example of. Um, that speaks to some of the things that I've been talking about, and um, um, and, a, and a really simple example of of self hypnosis, something that one can do, because um, there, there's different levels of self hypnosis. Basically, hypnosis is the process of being able to to facilitate a very focused and inward awareness. It is like daydreaming. It's like that state when you first wake up from a nap and you're, you're very inwardly oriented. The focus is, is on that inner world, but you're still, the conscious mind is still there. The conscious mind is still operating. So it's not like you're going into a, some trance that you get taken over by. Um, So, I was asked here by, I'm sorry, the person whose name I'm not pronouncing correctly, is it safe? Um, Self-hypnosis is very safe. Having hypnosis done by somebody else who's competent is very safe as long as certain conditions are met. Now, if you um, suffer from schizophrenia or multiple personality disorder or um, episodes of psychosis, then I would not suggest self hypnosis uh unless you are working with a really competent um holistic psychiatrist or psychologist um or hypnotherapist who is just very very familiar with those with those kinds of states of mind um but it's there's a lot of misconceptions around hypnosis, which is which include that um, you know that uh, that you'll get stuck in a trance and won't be able to come out, or you'll go crazy, or let in the devil, or um, you know get focused on something and never be able to lose the focus. And, and none of those things are true. Um, a lot of people think about hypnosis in terms of stage hypnosis and uh, stage hypnosis, where supposedly people are made to bark like a dog or cluck like a chicken by the power and the mastery of the hypnotist. And that's just garbage, that's not true at all. Basically what they do is that they choose people who they have tested as being very, very suggestible, who are also exhibitionists, which means that they're willing and even needing to perform and to do silly things in front of groups of people and they also tend to be people who are afraid to disappoint figures of authority and so even if they're not feeling in a hypnotic trance whatsoever, they're likely to go along with the hypnotist because they don't want to embarrass them. So you're not going to bark like a dog or cluck like a chicken, you're not going to be taken over by the devil, you're not going to be stuck in a trance, but again it is it's you have to make the evaluation yourself um, or with the help of a really competent um, mental health practitioner to make sure that you have a basic stability of your of your psyche and of your emotions and um, then it's absolutely safe uh, from everything that i've read from everything that i've experienced So, I want to give an example. Uh, Years ago, I um, made a film for the National Park Service on the wilderness of Alaska, a place called Denali National Park and Preserve. And after I made the film, I was invited to speak to the uh, Smithsonian Institute, to a a special event to the Smithsonian Institute in their Baird Auditorium. And so, um, you know, I was 25 years old at the time and I would, had always revered the Smithsonian Institute and the Museum of Natural History, and so I showed up in my little tie and and um, walked into the auditorium and the place was packed. It holds 565 people, it was packed. And I just had this moment of terror and I started sweating and the palms of my hands became all sweaty. and. I was dripping with sweat in my armpits and I started getting little palpitations in my stomach and it's just like my physiology was freaking out. Now, that's the power of the mind to affect the body. And uh, what I learned later was that uh, that response was so strong in part because I had had some traumatic experiences when I was a child of being um, punished by a teacher in front of a classroom. And... Um, So all the classroom was watching me, and here I was being punished and embarrassed in in front of that. And so all that that, uh, reaction was still there, lodged in the subconscious, and all those neurological pathways activated all these hormones and the cortisol and everything in my system, and my body was going haywire. So I had to walk outside. I still had a few minutes before my talk. I walked outside. I sat underneath a tree, and I had been doing meditation for years so I, I kind of meditated and I did this thing where I just um, held the the, so this object of fear which was all these people in the auditorium, I held them in my heart and just imagined my heart being activated and really feeling that and as soon as I activated my heart Uh, It's like the heart is such a powerful, not just a powerful organ, but it's the most powerful magnetic, it it creates this extraordinarily powerful magnetic field throughout the body and around the heart. So you can entrain your thoughts with the brain, or excuse me, with the heart, and that that can have a very, very calming effect. So it's one thing I can recommend is just a very, very simple, you could say, self-hypnosis technique, which is which is if you're feeling at a time dominated by your mind, by thoughts, etc., cetera, or if you're starting to do self-hypnosis and you're having a difficult time, you focus on the heart. Focus on an experience that you have had that has activated the heart. For me, it's oh I mean I've I'm blessed with many experiences that have activated my heart. But one of them that always gets me is uh, when I think of my dog whose name is Yuma. And I think of my dog Yuma and the way that he comes up and he looks me in the eyes. And his ears are kind of twisted in a funny little way. And it always just activates my heart. So all I have to do is do that and I can feel my heart just activating. And it's, what it's doing is it's strengthening this electromagnetic field and then there's the associated release of the uh, endorphins um, and neurotransmitters um, that create all these positive changes. So that's what I did when I was there underneath that tree and within a couple of minutes I felt fine and then I walked in and it was just time for me to walk up on stage and I did and I did fine. I mean I was still kind of terrified of people running up on stage and tearing me apart for some reason. Um, It's weird because I had filmed uh, grizzly bears and had a number of really close, very dangerous encounters with grizzly bears when I was making that film in Alaska and I was never as afraid in those circumstances as I was facing that group of 565 people. But because of what I had done and focusing on the heart and kind of getting out of that habitual track of the old experience um, into this new powerful experience of the heart, um, I was able to um, to kind of step out of that negative um, physiological reaction that was happening and, and to do my talk. So... So okay, self hypnosis. So the use of the um, it's really the use of the power, of the mind, and the imagination for the purpose of healing. Now the first step uh, is to um, the first step is to is to get a sense of what your what your dominant Sensory mode is. There are some of us that are that are very visually oriented. So if I make a statement, the um, the train was going off into the distance along the mountain, and the the blare of the of the horn of the train. Could be heard bouncing from the mountains. So if you're a visually oriented person and you hear something like that, then the focus will tend to be really on seeing that train, seeing that train winding through the mountains. And then, yeah, because there's been, there's been mention of, a, of, a, of the horn of the train, then um, there'll be that, you will hear that, to a certain extent, or you may see it. You may see the horn being pulled, or whatever. If you're a uh, a person most oriented towards audio, towards sound, um, then the predominant experience of that simple sentence is going to be the sound of that horn reverb, you know, blowing and reverberating through the mountains. Uh, there's also the sense of of smell. There's also the sense of of touch or the, the having a kinesthetic sense kind of experiencing things through the body so it, you know hearing that same statement one may think of the rumble of the of the train and how you you know how one could feel that through the soles of the feet or how the you could kind of feel the sound on the body so the first thing is to become aware of what your primary sense is and the reason this is important is that whether you choose um, self hypnosis scripts or whether you are designing scripts yourself um, you if you're a visual person, then the emphasis will be on the visual uh, because that what you're aiming for is your is you you're creating inner imagery um, that is going to be most evocative of really positive um Feelings and uh, experiences of healing. If you're a sound person, the focus is going to be on the sound. So, if you're in a healing garden in your in your self hypnosis uh, journey, um, you're imagining yourself in this garden. The focus is going to be on the sound, all the sounds of the sound of beautiful running water, or the sound of the wind through the through the willow leaves, or the sound of the birds, or all all of that. That's the environment that you're creating, an immersive kind of environment. So, the first step. Is to become aware of your main uh, mode of sensing. The next step is to um, is to come up with um, healing uh, images and um, metaphors that are associated with the healing that you want to do. Um, so, as an example. So, if, so, so, say if you have a, um, there's been a broken bone or some, some kind of wound that you're healing and uh, the visual, if you're visually oriented, you can actually imagine the the site of the healing that is taking place, the physiological changes that are taking place in the bone as it knits back together and or the wound as the, as the tissue hit, uh, knits back together and, um, and creates this healing. Um, and that's that's going to be very, very vivid. Uh, if you're sound-oriented, you may have a sound that is associated with that or it may be a kind of music that is associated with, with harmony and with things coming together and with things resolving themselves. And that becomes representative of the healing of, of that wound. Um, if you're kinesthetically oriented which means you're feeling these sensations in your body then it would then it could be more uh, not so much the sight and not so much the sound but it could be more the actual sensation of the relief of pain and of that uh, increasing feeling of of integrity of strength of just the way that the muscles start to come alive again and the Uh, um, and the bone is knit back together and you can feel the strength of that bone. And so you you make that very, very vivid. The other thing is to, um, okay, so let's let's talk about actually going into the, um, I'm gonna talk about inductions and things a little bit, just a little bit later. Uh, But I'm gonna talk about the use of it right now. And there's a couple different things that you can do. And the most simple thing that you can do is that you? Um, you induce this um, this light hypnotic trance, which we'll we'll talk about in just a little bit of how to do that, um, and then the simplest thing you can do is just to conjure up um, the positive image, sensation, sounds, uh, smells, etc that are associated with the state that you want to create. So um, if you are wanting to heal, again, if you're wanting to heal uh, a wound or something, you're just imagining that, that coming together uh, and then you're imagining yourself being able to engage in the activities that you had beforehand. So you're, you're internalizing not only the, say a physiological process of healing, to whatever degree you you feel like it, some of us are more detail and kind of uh, psycho. I mean, uh, scientifically oriented, and we like to know how the physiology works, and that gives our mind something to focus on, and that becomes more vivid. And for others, it can be just like just imagining. It's like okay, I have this bone that I broke, and you just vividly, vividly imagine uh, that being well and you bring in your primary sense to either see it to feel it to have a sound associated with it um, or most of us are multi-sensory so you can bring them all in and then really vividly imagining that being well now when you're in that that uh, tr- that light trance state uh, the, the sub you're accessing your subconscious mind and the subconscious mind doesn't know the difference between the fact that you're um, you've actually got a broken bone now, and um, it's going to take a while to heal. Subconscious mind doesn't know that because the subconscious mind is capable of nearly instantaneous healing. Um, the subconscious mind exists in the eternal now. It doesn't exist. So so whatever you're experiencing, that's why you can have a a a fear that comes up that's activated from the past, but the subconscious doesn't know that's the past. It thinks it's the present. So, if you're imagining a future state of being well from whatever illness that you're doing, that, that you're suffering from, and you're, you're imagining that in the most vivid state possible, most vivid way possible, and allowing your emotions to really get in there may bring you to tears. It may bring up this, this feeling of great, a great joy um then that is the, the subconscious is going to go, oh look at that, okay. And then it's going to it's going to elicit the physiological responses that are necessary in order for that internal reality to happen. So that's that's the simplest way to do it. Um, a thing that can be useful in that if you find that it's that it's difficult, um uh, to conjure that image up is to imagine a time when you did feel well, um, that you had that feeling of 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 wellness and completion. If for some reason that's difficult, or another thing that you can add to it is that you bring in a a personage. You bring in whether it's God or or Jesus or Mother Mary or healing angels or Medicine Buddha or a Taoist master or a shaman or you know, whatever, whatever really resonates with you and has deep meaning for you and imagine receiving blessings from them. So even if you can't conjure up a positive feeling about yourself in the moment, imagine receiving that from this outer beloved figure who you are internalizing and you can imagine that person sitting across from you and just channeling this loving energy from their heart into yours and filling your filling your body and your being with that love and that healing energy and then really residing in that so that's um and another th- so another thing you can do is so that's that's kind of the simple That's the real simple way. Another thing that you can do is that you can look at your illness, say it's um, it's Lyme disease and you can kind of study what Lyme disease does to the body a little bit and what's necessary for healing and from what I understand there's three primary components to that. One is killing the pathogens, the other is um Detoxing from the killing of those pathogens and of of uh, reducing the inflammation response that happens both from detox and and from the toxins um, that are produced by the organisms um, and then also healing from whatever damage is there so you can have you can kind of have a list of, of the things that are necessary that these are like the more complicated illnesses Uh, if it's something like cancer well you got to get rid of those cancer cells somehow and and uh, to um, reduce the size of the tumor and then to undo whatever damage has been done to organs etc and to seek out whatever um, stray um, cancer cells there are that have migrated to other parts of the body that's that's my understanding of, of healing from cancer and so you have your list of of what healing entails, and then you look at each one of those, and you say, okay, well, killing the pathogen or killing the the cancer cells, so that's the topic, and then you come up with images that are associated with uh, for you that are associated with with killing pathogens. For some people, it'll be in um, kind of warlike terms. Like some people who have used visualization, uh, self-hypnosis and visualization for um, uh, healing from cancer, they'll imagine their white blood cells are these soldiers that are going out and finding the individual cancer cells and killing them. Uh, some other people might be uncomfortable with the uh, warlike images, and they say no. They have these angelic hosts that go out, and they find the cancer cells, or they surround the tumor with these angelic wings and fill it with light, and and dissolves the cancer into light. So the important thing is is not to just not to pick this up from somebody else these images and these metaphors, but to find them for yourself, to find the most reliable. To find the most um, vivid and meaningful, and you'll you'll feel it when you when you find the right one, you'll feel it in your body. There'll be this kind of excitement. There'll be this feeling of rightness about that particular uh, image or that particular metaphor. Um, so you do that for for each stage of the healing. If if it's uh, shrinking uh, the 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 tumor again, you, you can imagine. Um, something like uh, the Wicked Witch of the West and the Wizard of Oz who is having water poured on her and she and she melts into a puddle and then evaporates, you know, you can imagine um, uh, popping a balloon and that balloon slowly uh, diminishes and diminishes and disappears. Um, you know, you can have some fun with it, and again, you're you're looking for the imagery for the metaphor that really gives you a little zing. You know, that that you find that you have a, a response to. Um, in healing from from Lyme, you've got these uh, what they call cytokine storms, which are these, um which is this out of control inflammatory response that creates brain fog and joint pain and just all of this crazy stuff. It's miserable, and you can. Imagine um, something like, you know, for instance, all those chemicals that are causing, all that debris and everything is like a tornado that's just flying, flying around, and you can imagine just being able to, to uh, yourself or, or with the help of an inner being that you're calming that storm, and you're calming that storm, and you're calming that storm, and then the water becomes still, and you're looking out over a beautiful expanse of water. And the beauty of this is, again, the subconscious mind doesn't know that, oh, it's like, oh, well, Kevin's just playing around with this imagery, isn't that kind of quaint and funny? No, the, all the subconscious and the body understands is that this powerful imagery is eliciting emotional responses and then is eliciting physiological responses. So that's, that's the power of the mind. Um, in terms of using, uh, using spooky and the frequencies, it's kind of the same process. If, you, if you're visually oriented you could, you could actually see the frequencies that you're taking in whether it's through the fanatron tube or the contact mode or the remote mode or Uh, or through the cold laser or whatever, the PEMF, you can imagine those frequencies and those vibrations entering your body and doing their wonderful work. Um, You can, if you're more kinesthetically oriented, you can feel those vibrations moving through your body and affecting this positive change. If you're more sound oriented, you can, you can um you can hear those frequencies and and say those frequencies are coming in and there's there's a there's a harmony and a power to them they they may be a song they may be a symphony but they have this power that comes in and is able to affect everything within its path nothing is able to escape and all these changes will be made so um Yeah, okay. So using a couple of more examples, um, talked about cancer a little bit, I would just wanna mention that again. So the killing, in terms of using killing frequencies from Spooky, um, they can be the more martial kind of warlike, the power of those frequencies that are actually able to reach out and to find and to destroy these cancer cells. Um, You may find, it it may be that you want to uh, be more peaceful and that these frequencies go out and sort of surround and to hug but they have this incredible inescapable transformative power to be able to uh, to transform these cancer cells into positive cells, into normally functioning cells, um, dissolving them into light, shrinking the tumor. Um, you come up with, with um, what happens when you're shrinking a tumor? You're reducing something in size, you're diminishing something. So, as, as mentioned before, you kind of write down the qualities of what it is that you're trying to accomplish. And then you say, okay, well there's, there's, I'm trying to shrink a tumor, what does shrinking mean? It means this. So what does diminishing mean? And what does diminishing something look like to me? And it may be a literal image of it, and it may be a metaphorical image of it, like I said, like the, like the shrinking of the uh, Wicked Witch of the West. So you're finding the, the, the images and the metaphors that are most powerful to you. And if you're repairing damage using you know you're using the healing frequencies of spooky and you can imagine those 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 frequencies coming in and just realigning everything or you can imagine the frequencies reaching out because you know the healing frequencies represent the um the state of an organ or this the state of a tissue that is in its prime form here is the frequency of that of that um tissue or that organ in its proper functioning and those frequencies are going out and they're meeting with the diseased or, or uh, the damaged uh, tissue or organs and and you can imagine the the damaged tissue or organ that is receiving those frequencies and is being reminded of the proper way and the ideal way to be again and then it gets realigned with these new uh, 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 properly functioning frequencies and, and it assumes the form of this perfection once again, one's innate perfection. Okay, so how to do self-hypnosis? Um, okay, I'm going to really, because we're getting a little bit late here, I know, um, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to simplify it as much as possible. And you know, I was, I was thinking a lot about this this evening. And um, there's there's a way that you can induce self hypnosis through things like, uh, and I mentioned this in my last talk, through things like eye strain, where you look up at a point on the ceiling that's just above your your eye line or uh, your field of view that creates this eye strain, and you're relaxing in a chair or something. And then when your eyes get really heavy, you kind of go down like this, and you allow that feeling of heaviness and, and, and actually the release of the muscle strain on the eyes to become a feeling of relaxation that washes through the body. Another thing that you can do is you can, you can tense the muscles in the body and tense all the muscles in your body and then release and then you'll get this extraordinary feeling of this release and this relaxation that washes through your body, and then you imagine that just kind of going deeper, 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 deeper. You can do a progressive relaxation where you start from your head down to your toes or from your toes and move up to your head of of um, of just focusing on every part of your body, starting in one direction or the other, and imagining the, the muscles just um, the muscles of the scalp the muscles of the forehead relaxing relaxing the muscles of the eyes Around the nose relaxing relaxing. It's funny. I'm starting to go into a Little relaxation trance right now. Uh, why? Because I've had practice at it um, So that's one that's one way to do it uh, another way to do it is to buy recordings that have already been done that are for creating these um, Self hypnosis inductions, and I don't have a particular source because um, there's just there's thousands of them online, and they're all different styles, you know, and and so it's very very individual what style you like. Uh, some people like more of what they call an authoritative style, and that's where somebody is giving you instruction and saying you will do this, you will do that in a soft voice, but you will do this, you will do that. Um, because I don't like being told what to do, I like a more um, um, uh, what they call permissive kind of instruction which is more like uh, you may find that as you are relaxing that the relaxation goes deeper and deeper, that kind of thing, it just works for me. So you can find, d- just do a, a um, a, a search online for self-hypnosis recordings and there's all different kinds and most of the websites there'll be an example that you can you know you can listen to and if it's the voice you like because that's important if it's the style of presentation that you like that's important if it's the um, the kind of uh, wording and things that you like if they're using background music um, if, you know, you have to like all those. If the music really bothers you, it's not going to work. If the voice really bothers you, it's not going to work. So there's a there's a, just a, a rich array out there of all of these different resources. A lot, a lot of people that are making recordings. Okay, so one thing you can do is to do um, an induction recording that just gets you to the place where you're in this deliciously relaxed state deep 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 relaxed very open very receptive very relaxed and then you can come in with your um your imagery of healing that you want to work on and you can you can do all that in 15 minutes you know that's a simple thing is it, just you go into the state of relaxation you imagine the feeling of wellness the physiological changes that you want and you can be in and out in about 15 minutes. And when I say in and out, I mean, there's different phases. There's the induction phase, which is that, that's taking you into the deep um, state of relaxation. There's the what they call the deepening phase, which is where it takes that, in, that, um, that state and deepens the state, usually by an image of going down a staircase or walking through a garden or various other things that, that go deeper, deeper, deeper to where you're totally relaxed. It's amazing how good it feels. And then you're very, very receptive. And a part of you, because it's still conscious, you can be given yourself instruction about the different images, you know, you can take yourself on this little journey, um, and then the next stage is where you're, um, you're bringing yourself out of it, and that is that you're just saying something like, um, okay, just become aware of the sensations of the body, become aware of the light coming through the eyelids. And what it's doing is it's starting to take you from this internal world and returning you to the, the the day world, you know, the outer world. And during that time, this is very important, during that time, or I should say, uh, right before you start doing that, right before you start taking yourself out, you give yourself suggestions. And suggestions are instructions to the subconscious because when you're successfully in this state, you are really, really receptive and um, and it doesn't mean if you say the wrong thing that it's going to get locked in there and it's going to be like this evil program that's, that's not how it is, but it's on the positive side it means that what you say if you give yourself an instruction for a way to be when you emerge and you're living your daily life, that's going to go into the subconscious and is going to do its good work so you give yourself some suggestions of you know that this healing will continue in the days and the weeks and the months ahead and every day you will or I will you know depending on whether you want to say you meaning I or whether you want to say I meaning I um, uh, so every day you will um, feel a greater sense of wellness and knowing and trusting that uh, these all of this miracle of healing can go on, all on its own with its own wisdom. You know, So that, that's an example of the kind of like giving instruction of the positive changes that you want to see happening. Um, and you're kind of talking to your dearly beloved subconscious mind and then it's in this very receptive state is taking in the instructions and in a sense, metaphorically speaking is going, okay yeah sounds good I'll work on that you know well you go ahead back up to the surface world but I'll I'll, I'll be down here working on this so that's one way to do it another way is to um uh, is to um, is to buy a uh, a self-made uh, excuse me a pre-made script uh, and there are medical um, hypnosis scripts that have been recorded that are available if you look them up online and please don't write to me and say where do I find it because uh, I haven't looked it up lately and I don't know. Um, so it's just a, a search that you'll have to make on your own and it's necessary for you to do it on your own because it'll, again it has everything to do with the style that you want and it's very very individual and most all of these websites have examples that you can listen to. Um, so. One way you can do this is just to buy an induction recording that will take you in, and then that induction recording will will stop or it'll just the, the voice will stop. and then uh, you can take it from there with your own instruction and then lead yourself out. Um, another way is to have a uh, a Hypnosis script that is recorded from somebody and that includes all the the instruction, the healing, et cetera. The disadvantage, the, the advantage of, those, of that is that you don't have to do it yourself. The disadvantage of that is that you're um, you're getting something that's been created by somebody else. So it's not going to have your personal healing images, your metaphors, um, the things that really get your positive emotions going. That's that sort of thing. Some of them may still hit enough. Uh, the high points or whatever that they can get you internally activated in a really positive way and and so they may really work and those are available for cancer and and various things Lyme disease I don't know about but I know there's a lot for heart disease and cancer and and those sorts of things another thing that you can do is um, you can make your own recordings um, and probably the simplest way to do that is a uh, is a software program that actually somebody told me about, uh, a spooky person told me about. Um, And it's called NeuroProgrammer3, N-E-U-R-O-P-R-O-G-R-A-M-M-E-R-3. And it's made by a company called Transparent Corp, uh, or I should say website, transparentcorp.com. And um, the um the advanced uh or the kind of the deluxe program is eighty nine ninety five something like that I don't have any financial relationship with these people um but it, what they have is pretty cool and it's pretty unique and i there may be other companies that do this i'm not sure but they're the main one that i found and what it is that you can um choose um, scripts that they have. Now, I don't know if they're pre-recorded or not, or whether you read them, uh, but you it's a software that runs on Windows, and then you are creating these different soundtracks, and it's really easy to do. And so you create a narration track, um, and you can record it yourself, recording a script, either yourself or if you don't like your voice for some reason, have somebody else read it. And then you can add a music track in there, and I think you can probably import music, um, some kind of music, not with words, but music that is uh, very calming and very, you know, really opens your heart, and music that you would associate with peace and love and healing. And so you can, I'm pretty sure again that you can import that. I think that they also have music um, that they can provide. And, um, and then they have something called um, um, binaural beats, uh, brainwave entrainment tracks. Um, and the theory is that there are sounds that are coming in the left ear and then it's slightly off phase uh, sound that's coming in the right ear and of these certain frequencies that gets the left and the right hemisphere of the brain to synchronize and uh, can help to create um, Higher brainwave states and uh, of various frequency levels, and um, um, so that can be, you know, that can be really effective. Some people find those sounds annoying; others don't. Uh, With this program, you can include them and then have them at different volume levels. And then what the beauty of it is, you can create this track of any length that you want, and then you can download it and put it on your iPod and or your iPhone or whatever and listen to it. Another way to do it, and this goes back to kind of the simple way, is that there are some different apps for self-hypnosis, and um, I'm not really familiar with the apps that have verbal commands to them, but there is an app that just induces really deep relaxation that is called, (laughs) that's called, I will find it, called Ambi, it's an app called AMBISCI, I I think. It's made by, um, I think it's Tesla Corporation. Isn't that great, Tesla? And um, what it is is these, uh, it's an app that has um, all of these different uh, background kind of drone music tracks and then you can add an entrainment track of all of these different kinds of different frequencies. Uh, and then you can adjust the sound level and then you can also put a timer on it so that you can time it for you know whatever length you want and then it'll, it'll wake you out of that state gently uh, when it's done. Um, I use that quite a bit because I, I like the shorter journeys that um that I can kind of facilitate and go through a visualization and kind of a, a mini journey. Um, I also sometimes will create uh longer tracks either for myself or I've created them for my wife with different uh for different things and also um for other people. Um and that involves writing a script and recording it and then laying in a background track and it's it's kind of a lot of work so if i do it for other people i i have to charge a lot of money because it is several hours of time um but the beauty of the ambusai uh track is that it's um uh it can take you into into a, a light trance state very quickly at least for me uh and then um and then i can you know i can do some healing work and then you know 15 minutes so it doesn't have to take a long time if you want to create more of a longer hypnotic journey where you have an induction and then you have a deepening and then you are going through a process of um, going through a healing garden and meeting an inner guide and receiving healing and changes in your body and then you're emerging from the garden. You know, that may take 20, 25 minutes, something like that. And that's where you can write your own script and or buy a script pre-made and either the whole thing pre-made or again, like write a script or adapt a script and then record it with this uh, neuro programmer. Uh, program where you can add the music, et cetera. Okay, so I want to talk about, um, I want to talk a little bit about, um, troubleshooting. You know, what, what are the things that can come up that can make it difficult and what do you do about it? Well, the main thing is that people talk about is, uh, I can't, I can't achieve a hypnotic state you know i can't achieve this this deeply relaxed state one thing is to be care of the be careful of the preconceptions about what a hypnotic state is some some people think it's like this really really deep thing where you can barely hear or or feel anything around you and you're just like totally in this other zone well it can be like that yeah. if you're in a very very deep state But it can be something that's a lot more surface and sometimes when I've worked with clients and they're saying, they're thinking afterwards, wow, I I don't think I went into any hypnotic state and then they tell me later about all the amazing changes that they helped to facilitate in their life as a result of the session and that's because it may not have felt like they went deep but it was deep enough. Um, But you want to make sure that when you're uh, getting ready to do self-hypnosis that you are Um, that you're relaxed, that you're not like amped up on an energy drink or caffeine um, or other stimulants, um, that you're in a very safe environment, talked about a little bit about that before, that you're not gonna be interrupted, the phone is off, the answering machine is off, Um, you got a sign on the door if you think that somebody may walk up to your door, the dogs and the cats are in the other room, Um, you know, et cetera, et cetera, you're creating sacred space, you're creating, you know, the the conditions for a really beautiful experience. And um so when you when you have all that in place, it gives you a feeling of safety and of confidence. If you don't, if some of those elements are are not in place, then there can be this kind of feeling of not quite being safe and then it can be hard to go in. Um, Want to make sure that you're warm enough, but not too warm. You know it's good to have a little blanket on you if you can if it's not too warm where you are, because just actually the pressure of a blanket touches on um, nerve endings that um, that release dopamine and serotonin and uh, and and calm the body. Um, it's not really advised to be laying down all the way because you may really go to sleep very easily. Um, and so, I usually like to be in like a recliner uh, for short sessions. You can actually be sitting up, but you may droop down a little bit. Um, but you want to be in a in a, in a physically comfortable position. Whatever it is, you want to be comfortable. Um, it, mental aspects of of uh, being difficult to go into a state can be being overly skeptical or overly doubtful. Uh, some people carry around the idea, oh, I, I can't be hypnotized, no, I, I'm never going to be able to, die. I can't relax, I can't relax. Well, one may not be able to relax in the outer world very, very, very well, but one may, with the use of the right languaging, with the use of the right uh, self-hypnosis script, with the use of the right recording, the use of the right soundtrack, music track, etc., may really surprise yourself. And be able to relax in ways that you never have before. Um, be patient because you're, um, and and if it doesn't happen at first, then keep trying because you're trying something that maybe you've you've never done before, and um, you may have associations of of again not being able to relax and this whole identity around it. And uh you, you know you may try hypnosis either facilitated by a hypnotherapist or by yourself, and may really be pleasantly surprised. but if you're if you're not and you're having difficulty, then try another way, try another form of music, try another voice, try another hypnotherapist, try another you know um. Typically, with uh, if I've been working with a client and they're very resistant and they have fear, those are layers that we have to go through first and those are layers that they would have to go through with pretty much anybody. Uh, If you're working with a hypnotherapist, be sure it's somebody you really trust, that you have a good feeling about, somebody whose voice you like uh, because the voice is the key for helping to take you into those deeper states. Um, if you're working on your own again you're creating the the positive conditions and you just try different things you know you try different kinds of recordings until you arrive at something that that um, it's like ooh this this really worked Wow, this is great and it's treasure i'm telling you it's just it's so amazing what we can do with our minds and it's um It's all ours, you know? It's our indigenous uh, equipment. (laughs) I mean, it's our indigenous capacity to be able to do this. And it doesn't take long. Now, if you can go into that deeply relaxed state, which can take just seconds or minutes to go into, you only have to be in it for a few minutes for healing to begin. And that's really, that's really something. So th- these don't have to be long, long sessions. Um, so that's, that's about what I have.
0: That's amazing. You know, um, even the, I, I recall um, someone saying to me that before a top athlete, say in the Olympics, performs their event, they visualize it in their mind. And in their mind, they've already jumped over the pole or leaped the distance or run, run the long yards. And they've actually won in their minds, and they just use that. And I guess that's kind of self hypnosis too, isn't it? Oh,
1: absolutely! Yeah, they're using, a, you know, they're using a uh, guided visualization and relaxation, and that's another word for it. it's the same process of hypnosis. And what's and what's not only happening is that it's it's not only giving them confidence, but it's it's making physiological changes in their body. So muscles are actually forming. Yes changing yes. and, the, yes. and the you know the nerve impulses that are necessary for that high performance are being reinforced just by being able to imagine mm-hmm. it in advance
0: and that and so they'll be doing this while the stadium is noisy the crowd are cheering for them to go ahead they can they seem to be able to block off that distraction does that take much training to to um to be able to do this to block out distractions and perform what pretty much is sounding to me like a self-hypnosis type of um, activity with all this ambient noise.
1: Yeah, it it really depends on the person and a lot of reaction to noise, distraction to noise is that there's an inner resistance to it. There is something in the mind that is, like if you really um, observe your mind, um, when you're distracted by noise, there's usually some something that's saying, God, I wish that noise would stop. That noise shouldn't be there. I would be really <laughs> peaceful without the noise. You know, so yes. so it's a resistance that's there. And so one way of, of uh, one step towards doing it is just not to have a reaction. or Or if a reaction is there, you just observe the reaction. And you can just pretend like the noise doesn't have anything to do. The noise is just... It's just a sensation of sound vibrations going through the air, uh, and so it takes the uh, it takes the charge out of it, and uh, and then it it doesn't really it doesn't matter that it's there. Uh, right. but it, is, it is, and and then it is a, a kind of a mind training, and for some people, you know, it may take more practice to be able to do that, focusing on a sensation within you know, say within the body, focusing on the, if it was a sports performer, you're focusing on the goal and making that more vivid than the external uh, stimulus. Yes, it's
0: amazing. Another thing which um, had me sitting on the edge of my seat here whilst you're doing a talk was um, regarding, you know, using your mind for healing and it's visualizing the healing process. It's, the way I think of it is, um, is not taking ownership of an of a condition. It's not accepting that you've, if you've got a, a tumor, for example, in your body. I don't want this tumor in my body. You know, you think to yourself, I don't want this tumor. I want it gone. And then you're visualizing, visualizing the tumor shrinking through whatever um, means is you know most vivid and important to yourself. It's, um, it's, it's. It's something which does not belong in your body, and it's using your mind, the, the power of your mind, to help the healing process and mm-hmm. help to remove it. And I've heard reports of um, people doing this just without any other means, just using the power of their mind for healing.
1: Absolutely, and it's,
0: um, and, and so you can't underestimate it, and and you and um, you know what. What I've learned from your talk today is um, well, I'm going to care for this in my life. <laughs> I'm sure I'll either, I'll be as well as well um, i find um I, I'm one of these people that are I'm easily distracted um, even if I try and focus on tasks, but I find that sometimes the day is different, uh, for example, when I'm just waking up in the morning and i'm just I've got my eyes closed and it's like okay, it's China, but it's reasonably quiet outside <laughs> and and I just step through my mind. I step through my mind the day that's ahead. And I think about the tasks that need to be done. I think about the best way of doing it. And I also visualize having completed those tasks. Oh,
1: uh, yes. Uh-huh. Uh-huh.
0: And I find that helps, especially when there's a large, you know, when it's a sense of overwhelming. There's too many things. And there's only a little old me to do it sort of thing. But, but I visualize the completion which is kind of like those, um, those, well, I'm not an athlete, but like those athletes when they're doing the, um, their sporting events, I visualize it and it becomes reality and it becomes more clear the p- path that I must take to, to complete the task. And um, I can really relate to what you're saying. I wow, really... that's,
1: that's beautiful. That's, that's great. Um, yeah, and you, you know, you, there are two things that you said that I think were so powerful. One, one was you mentioned uh, a particular time of day. And um, that's something else to be uh, to kind of be in tune with, because the there are times of the day um, uh, that w- in which our own personal biorhythms are such that right. um, particular times that are that are more where it's easier to facilitate internal states. And um, and it's really good to become aware of that and try to do one's inner work at those times because otherwise you're kind of fighting against a current. And uh, for instance, for me, it's it's oddly enough, it's like between four and six o'clock in the afternoon is when I can go in really deep. First thing in the morning, yeah, I'm waking up. You know, I've got a really? few cats and the dog. Yeah, I mean, I, I think it, um, I'm I'm kind of shifting from a late night schedule to an early morning schedule too, so I think I'm going through that transition. But, but uh, the um, yeah four to six is the best time for me to sit and write or to contemplate, and that's that's just how it is. And it can change with uh, with solar activity, with with the sunspot activity and solar storms and things like that too. Because all all things are connected. And then the other thing where you're talking about, you know, you're in that receptive, really open state, and you're Mm -hmm. using that in this beautiful way to visualize the flow of things, how you want them to be, and that is laying the groundwork for them unfolding that way, not only in the way that you are responding to the world that you're encountering, but there's that whole notion of... um, you know that notion of quantum entanglement and how the thoughts actually can influence the reality that, that meets us as well. Yeah,
0: right. So it's it's all intriguing stuff. Kevin, this is your second time on. Thank you so much. Wow.
1: <laughs> oh, you're you're so, welcome. Sorry, I went over time a little bit. Um, well,
0: they, we could always edit trim some things out, but the problem is, of course, Kevin. What do you trim? It's, it's all solid gold, so <laughs> you've given us a bit of a, a, bit of a problem here. But well, um, yeah. I'm sure the viewers, I'm sure the viewers have, you know, appreciated that some topics you have to go into detail because otherwise it leaves questions in your mind unanswered, and you're thinking, "Well, where like do I turn from here?" But you've given the full answer. You've, you've it's, it's been, it's been fantastic. All oh, good. Um, oh, good. But thank you. Thank you so much for um, accepting our invitation to come back again. It's it's um, you know it's been very it's been a wonderful talk. Um, if any of our viewers would like to also be a guest on our show, um, please email us. Uh, our email is sammer at spooky two dashboard.com. And um, we'd love to have um, you to come onto our show, discuss your area of expertise. Um, please email us and tell us what you'd like to talk about. If you've just watched a um, a riveting uh, talk which Kevin Peer has given um, on self-hypnosis and the power of self-hypnosis to enable you to um, heal yourself from within. Um, And it's so so, um, inexpensive. It's just a skill. And so Kevin's now Given you insight of what you can achieve if you put your time and effort into it, Kevin, I can't thank you enough. Um, thank you for having me. Yeah, coming on the show. Okay. And viewers, thank you very much for watching. Okay, we'll see you on the next uh, summer webinar next week. Thank you. Goodbye.
1: Bye bye.